And welcome into another episode of the Fan Section Podcast. I'm Tyson Quiller, and I'm bringing you another Fan Section short. This episode, we're going to dive into some of the news uh, that's taking place midweek here, as well as uh, look at the Heisman race and how last week's performances may have changed where certain players are lined up at. But I think... uh, well, anyways, welcome to the Fan Section Podcast. Uh, I'm Tyson Quiller. Alan and I, Alan Blakers and I, we are just a couple of buddies talking college, dropping knowledge. We appreciate you listening. Please feel free to like, subscribe, leave us messages. Uh, Alan has promised any five-star review he will read on, live on air. So take that into, uh, into account. Uh, again, man, we really, really appreciate you guys listening and following us and let us know if there's specific content that you want us to be addressing or getting into, and we will certainly dive into that. But starting right here off the bat, I just want to get into a story uh, breaking uh, from Sports Illustrated. After just two and a half years as the head coach of uh, Texas Tech, Matt Wells is reportedly out of a job, or will be very shortly. Uh, the Fort Worth uh, the Fort Worth Star Telegram reported on Monday that Wills will soon be fired by the team following a 5-3 and three start with losses in three of their last five Big 12 games. Texas Tech offensive coordinator Sonny Cumbie is expected to be named interim head coach per the report. Texas Tech athletic director uh, Kirby Hokett will make the announcement, uh, so I'm assuming this announcement was made on Monday, uh, the move would end Wells. The move did end Wells' time in Lubbock after just 30 games. They were 13 and 17 overall in those 30 games. He was just 7 and 16 in Big 12 games. So Matt Wells uh, was a good coach uh, that did uh, really well out at Utah State. Uh, really rose their program up from you know kind of five wins to pretty consistently 10 double-digit win seasons. Um, it just seems like maybe it wasn't a great fit. He came in after Cliff Kingsbury left. Obviously, Kingsbury was an exceptional coach because he ended up getting hired in the NFL. But if you remember, even those those times that Cliff Kingsbury was uh, at Texas Tech, they weren't ever uh, really tremendous. They weren't ever really New Year's Six uh, contenders, not to mention playoff contenders. They had a quarterback by the name of Patrick Mahomes there, who you might know as being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And still, they they were, you know, eight, nine wins a season. So it's a little surprising to me that they would drop the hammer on Matt Wells here. Uh, they just lost to Kansas State in a close game. Had they won against Kansas State, they'd be 5-2. and two. That's probably one of the better, better starts they've had in the last decade. Uh, so I, I'm not entirely sure that it has to do with performance. It might be, Alan and I were talking offline, it might be a little bit of there's more to the story. Uh, like a lot of people are mentioning about the Ed Ogeron story. Uh, I don't want to get into too much, uh, you know, defamatory stuff, but some suspicions that, you know, after winning the national title, he got a divorce from his wife, and there might have been some fraternization stuff uh, going on. Uh, if you remember a coach at Arkansas named, and Louisville named uh, Bobby Petrino, he had issues with that. And there have been other coaches who've who've had some you know, they're, they're, they're uh, middle-aged to older. They feel like that they're, uh, you know, in shape, powerful, and they've got 
you know, they, they work on a college campus. And so there's uh, young, good-looking uh, people around. And, I, I, you know, I, I'm not saying that that's the case here. That's some of the potential suspicion. Uh, but I don't think he merited being fired uh, based off of his performance. I will just say that. Uh, but that's uh, that'll be a developing story. We'll sort of see how that works out. If you're Texas Tech, I mean, now you're contending with LSU, USC. I mean, you're 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 bottom of the barrel when it comes to coaching hires. Just just be aware of that. Um, you're also in a conference that just lost or will be losing Oklahoma and Texas. A lot of turmoil, a lot of turnover disarray. It seems like a, a poor decision at this point to me. Uh, but anyways, moving on from that story, uh, Yahoo Sports reported that there, uh, and this is something we talked about several weeks ago, with the SEC picking up Texas and Oklahoma, it, it will create or trigger kind of a domino effect. And we saw that with the Big 12 very rapidly picking up Houston, BYU, several of these um, teams that it, BYU is independent, but some, several of these American Athletic Conference teams. Uh, so Central Florida, I believe, was one of them. Uh, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. Cincinnati, I know, was one of them. Well, anyways, uh, the American Athletic Conference wasn't just going to sit idly by, twiddle their thumbs, and allow things to happen to them. And now we know, um, this is again from Yahoo Sports, the American Athletic Conference has officially added six new members to their league. The league announced Thursday morning that it has accepted membership applications from the following teams. Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, North Texas, Rice, UAB, and the University of Texas San Antonio. The uh, conference did not announce when these schools will begin playing in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, but, you know, it's expected probably 20, 2023 is kind of when it looks like all of this is going to be happening uh, at, in all of the conferences. Uh, this is just, you know, one of those things. The, the Pac-12 uh, made an announcement, and the Big Ten seems to feel the same way. They've shut the door on expansion. And so, you know, the Big 12 kind of had their pick of the litter. I'm a little bit confused about, uh, like, Charlotte rice north texas they the, the other three florida atlantic uab and, and texas san antonio seem to have some sort of athletic department stability and and heritage of success the, those three charlotte north texas rice uh aside from charlotte the, the other two are not in a major market I'm, I'm not entirely sure why they went after specifically those six especially when you know you have program uh, coastal carolina is on the board um, you know, and, and uh, I think Texas San Antonio was a big pickup, though, and that's a big market in San Antonio. In all, the American Athletic Conference will I have a total of 15 members, but Navy is a football only. There's going to be a football only member, or is currently a football only member, and Wichita State is a is a non football member. They have basketball and other Olympic sports. So uh, you know, good for them. Hey, strike while the iron's hot. All six of the new members are coming from Conference USA. So obviously they, they thought the well to pilfer from was Conference USA. I think there's a handful of good teams in the Sun Belt that they maybe should have gone after Appalachian State, Louisiana, uh, like I mentioned, Coastal Carolina. But those are the six that they've made a decision on. Um, and so with that being said, uh, you know, maybe we just go ahead and dive into the Heisman Watch. 
So there was some Heisman action, some changes in the standings and in uh, my projections of where the Heisman race was at. And so we'll just start right here. Uh, last week, my top four were uh, Matt Corral at number one. I had Bryce Young at number two. Matt Corral, the Ole Miss quarterback. Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback. At three, I had Kenneth Walker, the Michigan State running back. And four, Bijan Robinson from Texas, the running back. Uh, this has changed quite a bit for me. Uh, as some of these players had uh, wonderful performances and some of them had poor performances. Matt Corral really underperformed. Uh, and that's against, a, you know, really kind of a pedestrian middling LSU program. Uh, so that's inexcusable. Against LSU, uh, he was 18 of 23, 185 yards, only one passing touchdown. Uh, he had 24 yards rushing and one touchdown on the ground. Really, again, really pedestrian for him. On the year, uh, and, and on the on the flip side, I think Bryce Young had a great game against Tennessee. Uh, in their win, 52-24, uh, Bryce Young, 31 of 43, 371, and two touchdowns. He, and he got into the rushing discussion for the, for the first time really all year. He's mainly just been a passer, but rushed for 42 yards and two touchdowns. So if we look at their numbers on the year side by side, um, you have uh, per game. Okay, so Ole Miss has only played seven games. Alabama's played eight. So I did the comp per game because the gross figures uh, are not proportionate to the n uh, number of contests played. So per game, uh, Matt, Will or, uh, Matt Corral, 273 yards passing. Bryce Young, 306 Matt Corral, 2.14 touchdowns per game. Bryce Young, 3.25 touchdowns. And these are passing touchdowns per game. Um, on the rushing side, though, Matt Corral, 68 yards rushing per game with 1.29 touchdowns per game. Uh, Bryce Young, only five yards rushing and one touchdown every four games. So it's only two on the season. I think it's kind of a push now, now between those two. And they both remain in the hunt because they're both on very good top 10, top 15 teams. Uh, so that's really uh, kind of the, the two I have at the top of the board. Uh, something I heard being discussed a little bit is Bryce Young's a freshman. Are they really going to give it to a freshman? Well, there have been two freshmen who have won the Heisman, at least in recent memory. Uh, Johnny Manziel, obviously that, that wonderful, incredible season he had with Texas A&M. And then the, next, the very next year, Jameis Winston won the Heisman as a freshman. So it wouldn't be something historically new. It's possible. I think he's got the stats for it, and I think he's on a, a great team, one of the better teams in the country. So, um, But the stats the stats are important only so long as your team is relevant, uh, I think is really kind of the way to, to uh, look at the Heisman race. I have moved up now from five to number three, Kenny Pickett, the Pittsburgh quarterback, uh, in their 27-17 win over Clemson. And keep in mind, part of what makes this impressive to me is this is against a Clemson defense that's very good. Clemson, in many ways, is very similar to Colorado. They have a very good defense, but they just have an inept, poor, terrible offense. Uh, and so for Kenny Pickett to put up uh, 380, or 302 yards passing, two touchdowns, 
pretty pretty consistent, pretty accurate. I think he's impressive. They continue to roll on. They're six and one on the year, and on the season he's sixty nine percent, two thousand two hundred thirty six yards passing, twenty three touchdowns, only one interception. He's also got three rushing touchdowns. And so I have him at three currently, but he could get surpassed by who I've got at number four. And and these are the four that I think at this point would be invited to New York is uh, the Wake Forest quarterback, Sam Hartman. I didn't have him on my board at all. I, I haven't seen someone make such a jump into Heisman consideration in a long, long time. But he had an outstanding day uh, against Army. I mean, the accuracy, 23 of 29, that's really spectacular. 458 yards, five touchdowns passing. He rushed for 22 yards and a touchdown as well. Just a, just one of the single most fantastic offensive performances of the year. And he catapulted himself into the Heisman race. On the year, he's 65%, which is, not, which is quite a bit below. That's five, six points below uh, the, the other uh, three quarterbacks above him that I have. 2,073 yards, 19 touchdowns passing, and he has three interceptions, four rushing touchdowns on the season. So, I mean, this is, this is I think, quickly becoming a quarterback competition. The running backs have fallen by the wayside. Uh, yeah, Kenneth Walker has, has fallen by the wayside. Desmond Ritter really took himself out of the conversation with that poor performance against Navy. Uh, Bijan Robinson, I spoke with Alan about this last week, but, I mean, your team's already lost three games in Texas. Uh, I think he is is probably sliding off of the board. Somebody I am seeing, uh, probably the one non-quarterback I'm seeing make the biggest jump uh, up the board you know, as the season carries on is the running back from Michigan, Blake Corum. Um, in, their, in their 33-7 victory over Northwestern, he had 19 carries, 119 yards, two touchdowns, uh, another 23 yards receiving. He's had a very consistent, solid season. It helps him that they have a not very good or effective passing offense, so they really need to rely on the run game. The real question for Blake Corum is going to be, they've got a little bit of a kind of a um, Reggie Bush, Lendale, White, kind of lightning and thunder uh, backfield between him and Hassan Haskins. Hassan Haskins also got over 100 yards and two touchdowns in this game against Northwestern. Is he going to take a little bit too much of the limelight away from Blake Corum? That remains to be seen. I, I want to I finish up here. There's a, a quote from Paul Feinbaum. People might know Paul Feinbaum as uh, an ESPN college football analyst. He primarily operates within the uh, footprint of the SEC, and he has said, and I know Alan is big on this, he has said that he thinks Jordan Davis, the defensive lineman from, uh, or the uh, defensive tackle from uh, Georgia, which is unquestionably the best defense in the country, in my opinion, and probably the best defensive line in the country, uh, he thinks Jordan Davis should be getting consideration for the Heisman. So let me, let me start here. It's going to be a slow burn, but... There have been two defensive linemen that have won the Heisman in the history of the award. In 1936, Larry Kelly won the Heisman from Yale as a defensive end. In 1949, Leon Hart as a defensive end won the Heisman for Notre Dame. Then that's it. List complete. 
Okay, these these are guys who won the Heisman. Uh, this is probably right around, if not before, the uh, invention or conception of the forward pass. This is a totally different style of football. I think that that is probably irrelevant for this conversation. Uh, so I think we look at two the two defensive linemen in recent history who have really made a run at the Heisman. Uh, there are two defensive linemen who have finished fourth in the Heisman voting in the last 20 years. One being Indomitian Sue, the D-tackle from Nebraska. In that year, he finished behind, in, in 2009, he finished behind Colt McCoy was third, Toby Gerhardt was second, and then Mark Ingram won the Heisman in 2009. Now, if we look at, this is what I've been telling Alan is you have to look at the numbers, not only a relevant team, but the numbers. That year, I personally, I mean, I don't think Mark Ingram deserved the award. You have to remember, this was the, the first, this was the year Saban won his first national championship at Alabama. The hype train was really rolling. And I think a lot of people wanted to give the award to the best player on the best team or whatever. Um, that was a national championship that was won by that Alabama defense, more so than the offense. But Mark Ingram had, he finished, uh, won the Heisman, had 1,658 yards rushing. Second place, Toby Gerhardt, 1,871. Mark Ingram had 17 rushing touchdowns. Toby Gerhardt was second. He had 27 rushing touchdowns. Okay. I mean, Mark Ingram probably should have been fourth, to be honest with you. But that's... That's a different conversation for a different time. Colt McCoy also had a a good season, but his passing numbers were were nothing to be uh, uh, you know uh, super impressed by. He only, Colt McCoy had twenty seven pass touchdowns. Toby Gerhardt had twenty seven rushing touchdowns. Like you never see that. Colt McCoy had twelve interceptions. So you know I think they really botched that one up, and and probably that was the year. In Dominican Sioux probably. You know, if if Nebraska hadn't, um, you know, lost the three three or four games that they lost, you know, th this is the conversation where it's like, is your team relevant? That's probably why Toby Gerhardt didn't win, to be honest with you. Um, Sanford finished eight and five, fourth in the Pac-12. Meanwhile, Mark Ingram and Alabama faced Colt McCoy and Texas in the national championship game, right? But but okay, so that, um, in Dominican Sioux, then in 2019, you had Chase Young, defensive end, Ohio State. Chase Young just ran up against a juggernaut. <laughs> the uh, individual that won the Heisman that year was one Joe Burrow, who had potentially the most prolific passing season in college football history. He was also beat out by Jalen Hurts and his own quarterback, Justin Fields. I think it's possible he could have finished second it's fair to say there was a quarterback bias uh, and that was that's what put him from second to fourth there's no way you could have put him ahead of joe burrow though so so if we compare jordan davis to indomitian sue and chase young uh in 20, in 2009 indomitian sue had 82 tackles 12 sacks and an interception okay chase young in 2019 had 46 tackles 16 and a half sacks and six forced fumbles. As of right now, Jordan Davis has 18 tackles, one and a half sacks, 
No forced fumbles, no interception. He just flat out does not have stats to justify this conversation. He doesn't, uh, you know, maybe he maybe he should win the Nagurski, uh, you know, or, you know, I, I, I don't... I don't even know if he's deserving of that, to be honest with you. I understand st- stats don't say everything, but it's the only thing we can measure tangibly for an award like this, and he does not have the stats to justify being involved in this conversation. One other player I want to talk about that I think can work his way right back into this Heisman conversation is the quarterback from Ohio State, C.J. Stroud. Uh, he has really been resurgent. Uh, since their loss to Oregon, coming back strong. I think he has the potential to catch up to the top guys. He's going to have the same conversation surrounding him because he is a freshman as well uh, as the conversation that surrounds Bryce Young. So those are kind of, I think, the names that are in contention right now. I think Matt Corral and Bryce Young are tied for first probably. Uh, I think the next tier is going to be decided between Kenny Pickett and Sam Hartman, uh, the Pittsburgh quarterback and the Wake Forest quarterback. After that, I, I think, you know, C.J. Stroud, who's making a run, I think Blake Corum has a chance. Again, he's going to have the, the, the thing that differentiates Bryce Young and, and Blake Corum and C.J. Stroud, too, is they are going to have Heisman, the ability to have Heisman moments. Okay, Alabama is going to play at uh, they're going to play Auburn at the end of the season. They're going to play Georgia in the SEC championship game. So there will be big stage opportunities for Bryce Young to really impress. Likewise with Blake Corum and CJ Stroud. They're going to play Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State. They're going to be big stages, uh, and there's going to be opportunities for them to have their Heisman moments. So so I would say those are probably the, the, the three guys that have the most opportunity to make movement. Um, but again, I think top tier, Matt Corral, Bryce Young. And then I think next tier, as things stand right now, Kenny Pickett, Sam Hartman, with C.J. Stroud and Blake Corum kind of right on the outside. I don't I, – I, it's possible Kenneth Walker, he's going to have those same stages. So it's possible he could return back into the conversation. Uh, I just don't think Michigan State – is as good as Michigan and Ohio State, to be honest with you. So I, I think they're going to be losing those games. So he, he will drop. I think Bijan Robinson is, is out at this point. And I think Desmond Ritter is probably out at this point. Um, so that will wrap it up for this episode of the Fan Section Podcast. Uh, feel free to let me know what you think about the Heisman conversation we just had. If you if you want to you know send any notes or information thoughts about Matt Wells being fired or about the conference realignment and different teams being picked up, different teams being uh, moved to different conferences. So please feel free to reach out. Again, thanks so much for following and for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Fan Section Podcast.